So, coming from North Star Base uh, Studios in Troy, New York, we are live in the flesh, meeting up for the first time in quite a while. We've been paying attention to uh, Governor Cuomo's um, uh, readiness checklist, and we've met the six, six criteria for beginning phase two of uh, coming out of this COVID quarantine. And uh, yeah, we have enough uh, on-site hospital beds and enough uh, PPE and contact tracers to uh, actually be in the same room. And I've so, wrapped my entire head in saran wrap, so I'm fine. It's a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does double duty. It keeps the pepper spray out, too. Yeah, yeah. And my head is so fresh. So, yeah, it's nice to see you again in the flesh, Chris. It is nice um, to see you in the flesh. No, you. <laughs> I love both of your fleshy bodies. <laughs> so I guess we should say, so we actually record, today's Monday, we recorded Sunday, like we usually do, and Brittany, uh, audio mastermind, totally fucked up the audio, it was utter trash, recording remotely has been a real pain in the ass, I don't really have the proper equipment at home, so we were just like, you know what, if you boys are going to be out in the streets, like, doing Antifa super soldier shit, we might as well just meet in the flesh, because... yeah. I mean, we're practically Hezbollah already, so we might as well break all <laughs> Par- sorts of laws. Parody, parody, satire, satire. I I don't know. We're on the terrorist watch list, so uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, we are just moments away from being disappeared uh, from the AUMF or the Authorization of Use of Military Force 2012, which expanded the global war on terror to any place, including America and soil, and any person, including American citizens, uh, suspected of terrorism which um you know one man's terror is another man's freedom yeah and so if antifa is on the terrorist watch list then that means that you're either a fascist or a terrorist yeah yeah that's pretty much <laughs> like, yeah. what side are you on yeah there's yeah. only two sides terrorist <laughs> or fascist yeah uh did you guys see trump's call with the various governors and mayors saying basically like you're all a bunch of pussies you need to start like killing these protesters or you're going to lose, you know, your state sovereignty. God, I hope they don't listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, what the hell does it mean that you like lose your state sovereignty? That's not really what he said. He basically was saying like, if you don't get this under control, there's going to be like a hostile takeover of Uh your, of your cities and states, which normal. I wish that was the fucking case. I mean, who fucking knows? I mean, we were dabbling uh, off mic about the various uh, convoluted and contradictory conspiracy theories that are flying around about the uh, recent state of um, uprising, revolution. Yeah, yeah. What, what do we even call this? Like, we have a uh, major uh, conflict and conflagration going on in every major American city. Um, and a few and, minor ones. Yeah. Like yeah, Albany. Smalbany, yeah. <laughs> Smalbany turned up. Yeah. Like, but, you know, it, the, the question is, uh, you know, why is this happening? Um, and then what type of crazy yarn can we spin to uh, redirect it to some shadowy organization um, that is actually at the root of this instead of it just being regular people? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were we like Chris said, we were talking off mic and um, I'm actually just going to go ahead and demand that David explain right now why his people visa via George Soros are uh, paying for Antifa super soldiers. Yeah. Kind of fucked up, dude. Pretty, yeah. So, okay, it's okay. a bad look, dude. Yeah. All right. So, you know, at the at the meeting, you know, very well catered, lots of good white fish and, uh, you know, the bagels a little salty, but fine. 
um you know we, we came together and we you know decided that yeah it, let, let's let's kick it old school let's uh you know uh create a multiracial coalition all sponsored by uh you know gold shekels at the bank of zion and <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> you know just uh, create this upheaval and then like another we have a subcommittee that's working on the red heifer and uh <laughs> that's a deep cut yeah and then we're, you know and then you know like we're gonna put just pull straws to see who is going to be bathed in the ashes of that red heifer and then there'll be this the second coming of christ in israel after you know the 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 uh the booze cruises that bring all the jews back to israel right and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be lit yeah and be then awesome. jesus shows up uh yeah you know brandishing the sword and uh delivers us all from evil which in this uh case i guess is global capitalism but anyway um i am very interested to see uh what is going to happen out of all this because um it is a whole cornucopia of emotions watching and participating in um a rapidly uh developing situation um and it's all happening in the middle of a pandemic yeah i'd say that is a pretty key part of the story is that you know after two more than two months of everybody being so stressed out about being in groups and you know and now it's just like oh shit the revolution's on i guess uh we kind of we we have to seize the moment um, yeah yeah for going from like uh uh almost no contact with anyone uh, sitting in your your house, like trying to decide which Netflix series to binge watch, to like thousands of people out on the street, like confronting cops. Like, man, we went from zero to sixty nine. Nice, real fast. Best, uh, best meltdown May. Yeah, yet, <laughs> yeah, say. collective, yeah. everybody yeah. at once. Um, meltdown May in the Imperial Corps. Yeah. So uh, I know that some Ironweeds uh, listeners will vaguely remember an incredibly vague prognostication I had a couple episodes ago uh, in response to the um, uh, like sort of seemingly astroturfed um, uh, reopen America uh, protests where everybody came armed to the teeth uh, to state capitals and said, you know, I demand that the staff of Ruby Tuesdays uh, report to work immediately. Um, and make me my favorite, uh, you know, sirloin. Um, and how we were talking about the fact that we have 40 million unemployed, uh, worse than the Great Depression, and the fact that we have uh, what it cannot be anything other than a long-term uh, economic depression um, in the political horizon, or sorry, in the economic horizon, and then essentially no um, electoral or like legitimate chance of a better future coming from any of the elections on the national stage on the political horizon and uh really expecting there to be a different kind of protest movement once things you know quote unquote started opening back up um and this was before um the uh video um of the incredibly gruesome uh murder of george floyd uh became a uh, national um locus of fury and anger um, and that video, it was so eerie and disgusting. Yeah. Let's talk about the video because like we, we were saying before we started recording, you were saying, Chris, how like, it's not like other videos of police brutality and murder. Um, there's something, there's something a little off about it, I guess. I don't, when, you know, we can like 
maybe I, I should be a little responsible here and say, like, it's probably not appropriate for me to get too conspiratorial with regards to this. But there's something very strange about specifically the cop and his posture and the way that he's looking into the camera as if. Like he's trying to communicate something and that something is I'm fucking murdering this man right now and there's not a thing in the world you can do to stop me. This yeah. isn't even my first murder. Yeah, which it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's like his what, fifth? No, I think it's only his second. Yeah. Only. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's his second. Yeah. Um, but just everything about the video, besides the um, the crowd response, the onlookers begging, you know, this officer to stop killing this man uh and the pleads from uh george himself um the the fact that they weren't shouting at him and saying stop resisting or at least like putting up some type of farce that what they were doing was like in some ways legitimized i mean there were yeah. four cops on the scene and they were all placid they were all totally like almost emotionless yeah and you have the one cop who was standing so you had three cops laying on him the one particularly evil looking motherfucker on his neck and then you have this other cop who's standing around and he's saying to the crowd this is why you don't do drugs kids and which i thought was like so again just bizarre just like so you don't end up as a cop yeah. <laughs> no, right, I mean yeah. he's saying like this is apparently why there which okay so It was uh, a bad check though. George Floyd was the reason he was being, you know, detained was because he was suspected of suspected of writing a bad check, but um which first of all like okay, it probably doesn't need to be said. Uh you don't ex- that's not a, a executable death, an executable offense. offense. Um It's not even but, a, 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 an offense that you should detain someone. They're not a dangerous person. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like you know, bring him to court or whatever. Like, but so the idea that this was happening to him because he was on drugs, which is what this cop seems to be communicating, is just like, and you know, we don't, we, I don't know, like if he maybe was resisting beforehand. Not that does not matter in any way, but maybe like that narrative would make more sense if he was really like you know wildly resisting the cops. But it was just so I don't. It was so fucking bizarre um, to have this cop saying this and. You know, the people who are begging, the saying he's non-responsive, you have a cop who comes over and checks his pulse and finds no pulse, and they continue to, to pretend he's alive. neck, yeah. And they put him on the, on the gurney, and they go through the theatrics of, like, you know, doing, quote-unquote, you know, official protocol. Well, and you always know when the ambulance doesn't leave, that's how you know. Like... If, in, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some medical professionals out there who can tell me if that is for some reason not the case. But when you're hauling a non-responsive body into an ambulance and it does not begin to move, that seems to suggest that uh, he's already dead. And, you know, they said that he died, quote, in police custody. But it's very clear that he died on the ground, pinned under a fucking pig. Yeah. And the pigs have been doing this for a long time and being caught on camera and unabashed about it, the whole experience the whole, for a long time. And, you know, um, there was like in every city, a community historical knowledge of all of the wrongs that have been done to them at the hands of the police. And people talk about this. This is like, you know, not something that is um, the, the public isn't aware of as much as it might be plastered over and covered up by the media and, you know, the, the city councils and the mayors and everything. Uh, to try to normalize it. Um, people have known for quite some time uh, that the police are a murderous, uh, racist organization whose primary purpose is to control 
what the ruling class considers a superfluous population, a population of people that can't be cajoled or pushed into making profit for a wealthy capitalist, but somebody who is you know, working hand hand in the black market or otherwise uh, trying to survive in a system uh, where it's hard to expropriate surplus value from them. And this has been, you know, the conditions all the way back to the renegade slave patrols and that our modern American and now global police state is based on. Yeah, the first police forces were their only purpose was to round up escaped slaves like that was that is the origin of modern policing yes. or, or or invade uh ireland yes yeah yeah and the things that people like the cops to do like you know investigate uh crimes or protect uh lives or property or you know try and uh bring some type of um sort of mediating role in conflicts between uh you know people whether it be domestic abuse or otherwise this activity was done just by regular people, like townspeople, uh, people in cities, all throughout human history. You know, the, the history of civilization, um, you know, uh, is, is one of generally cooperation and conflict. And, you know, people have take, uh, taken the roles that are now exclusively within the purview of the police state uh, onto themselves for the vast majority of our collective experience as a species. Um, and the idea that uh, we could abolish the police uh, as an institution, um, has historical merit and grounding. Like they didn't exist once <laughs> and you know, yeah. be, uh, not like everything was rosy and perfect in the time of like settler colonialism in the early Americas or anything, but like, you know, it, it was not generally decided that we needed to have a group of people who could and do, uh, leverage a monopoly on mortal violence to control us all. That was, that's a relatively new concept. Uh, you know, anthropologically speaking yeah. yeah and you know you, you go to you know this is true because if you go to any march in any city uh they have their own story at least one of a cop murdering someone for no good reason or maiming them or you know in some way uh um abridging some right that they have uh we chris you and i've been to at least one in albany and one in schenectady uh, and I know tons of stuff that's happened in Troy. They all have different stories of like stuff that's happened. You never go to one of these protests and there are people like, well, you know, it hasn't happened here, but all this other terrible stuff is happening in other cities. And uh, that and that's a very good sign of a structural problem, right? Of yep. a problem that is baked into the system. It's not a few bad apples. Um, you know, it's not a couple of bad actors that need to be that once they're removed from the position, you know, b make for a much more righteous system, which is wh why it, it really sucks. I, I think, you know, I'm not even going to do the thing where it's like, I don't know if it's in my, I don't know if I, I'm the appropriate person to make this argument. It's just, it's just objectively bad. I think to have these like kneeling with the cops, photo ops. Uh, uh, in in these different cities, there's been I think there's been one in San Francisco. There's now been one in both Albany and Schenectady. There's one in New York. There's, there's one in New bunch. York. Yeah. And there what ha happens? Forty five minutes later, they're fucking tear gassing people and yeah. shooting them with quote unquote non lethal rounds and just beating the ever loving piss out of them. And yeah, I mean it's a, it's a photo op. Yeah, it's I, something the cops know that they can do in the afternoon to make them look like the good guys. And then once it gets dark and, you know, it's harder to capture images, you're able to, they, they can make it look like protesters are instigating the violence. 
there's just no um, people have to be very careful about tolerating cops, politicians, your mayor, like all of these people who suddenly want to be your buddy during these protests. Like, yeah, yeah, they're not on your fucking side. Yeah, I, I don't. We'll, we'll get into the specifics of what's been happening in the capital region in a second. But you know, like, and, and I don't want to second guess like the really uh, incredible work of like some of the very young uh, organizers of the rallies that have been going on around here. But like, you know, when when the Schenectady cops, for example, yesterday took a knee and they even took off their helmets and like put down a riot shield and baton and everything. But the, there was still a drone flying in the sky. There was still tons of other cops within riot gear and as you're walking around you know you go in the opposite direction of where everyone started marching together and singing kumbaya you know you look in the opposite direction and there's like three paddy wagons from the the schenectady uh, schenectady county sheriff's department like leaving out the back door Mm -hmm. so it's like they were ready to put all of you in in a van like they were all ready to do that and and it just it just so happened that they found a different way of resolving the situation, but it did not. Uh, it, it it didn't have to be that way, you know. And when it, it could have very easily couldn't have been, you know. And it, and with no different action by the protesters themselves, right? It's all in the hands of the police department and what, how they decide to react. But that's not ever going to be how it is uh, shown in the media, right? In the media, it'll be like, well, the cops are always trying. And when the protesters are peaceful, we can all kneel together and pretend to be Colin Kaepernick or something. But uh, but if things turn violent and it's never the police that make it turn violent, then it's like a way of showing like good, like good protesters and bad, like outside agitators, you know. Uh, And so the police are obviously, you know, using this um, uh, uprising. I'm just going to call it like, you know, maybe a revolution um, uh, as an opportunity to uh, basically create a spectacle and to paint a narrative. And so you see uh, them, you know, re- acquiescing to request to bend the knee uh, in when it's, you know, like in their interest too. like when it's broad daylight and they, you know, are in the mood and maybe they're understaffed or unready to have any type of issue. Um, and then they are also like escalating the situation, um, which I've witnessed personally um, this weekend in other environments so that they can create the conditions of a goddamn riot. Like the whole fucking city of Albany um, was shook by what started on South Pearl uh, when the police started tear gassing and um, hitting people with non-lethal rounds. And then it spilled out and expanded through a whole bunch of people um, ended up going to cross gates, which like I'll get into in a sec, but like, uh, yeah, no, it's it seems that they they want to do both. Yeah. They want to uh create the conditions by which there's unrest and their um presence and their uh existence is fortified uh by, you know, the average onlooker and they also want to create the uh impression that they're officer friendly and that, you know, obviously they they're humble and humility and they're really just there to serve and protect. And you know, like we talk about the police as an institution because it is, and it has an institutional framework and it has an institutional ideology and they have training that's, you know, um, uh, very thorough and specific and the, uh, none of which includes de-escalation. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, at least, at least in most conditions, yeah. right? Yeah. In most conditions, it does not. In a lot of conditions, it's like evasive driving techniques and shooting. Yeah. 
And when it gets down to it, yes, there is the personal, um, you know, motivations of all the individual offers, officers and like, you know, uh, a cab, right. Uh, but are there cops who think they're good people and are, are trying to do the right thing? Absolutely. That is true. They like, there are people which we have from documentation, you know, like uh, we're talking about the capital region, uh, situation. If you look back to some of our early episodes, we covered the Edson Thevenin, um, killing by uh, Sergeant Randall French, uh, who was subsequently killed by COVID-19 um, in a lot of detail. And like what the reason we know about that is that someone in the police department, um, specifically this one man, Officer Centeni, did a forensics report that proved beyond any doubt that Randall French lied, acted reckless and murdered Edson Thevenin. And then someone, maybe Centeni, maybe somebody else from the department leaked that memorandum, the, you know, 75 page or so uh, PDF to the widow of Edson Thevenin, who then passed it on to the Times Union, which published it in its entirety. And that's the only reason why we know about it. And the only reason why we know for a fact that the mayor covered it up and that the city council then read a paid for a memorandum written by the ex-chief of police of Cohoes, Rivali, that, you know, th- threw doubt or, you know, caused, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a change in attitude or Some whatever. kind of vehicular forensics that yeah. showed that, you know, um, go, go back and listen to those episodes if yeah. you want, like, the details of the case. But yeah, I mean, every city has these. And, and way to go to the move over the last few years to, like, say their names, because I think creating these flashpoints and these, like, um, public memories. One of the things when I was in grad school that I studied was how uh, like public memory is really important, especially in an age of corporate media where very radical events like that are quickly, dis- they quickly dissolve in the kind of public consciousness because we don't have the tools to keep those things fresh in our minds. And actually throughout U.S. labor history, probably throughout the rest of the world's labor history, but I know specifically about the U.S. that like Creating ways to keep these flashpoints alive in people's minds is a really important element of activist work is is making sure that people don't forget, you know, all of all of the all of the martyrs, essentially, in the struggle for for liberation. Um, And so I think that's been a really successful element of like Black Lives Matter is, you know, saying their names and making sure that we all remember. Yeah. And so Troy is currently. uh, literally hunkering down, boarding up uh, big glass panes downtown. Let's um, talk about this, because this is some shit. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get into the details of, like, the specific response that, um, you know, Troy business owners in the community are taking, I just want to point out that the people who are ostensibly supposed to bring us some type of elected representation of the population to do the right thing were all absolutely aware of what they were doing. I've reached out to many of them individually and had conversations. Every member of the city council, the mayor, knew that they were covering up for a police murder, that the police themselves pointed out this was a murder. The mayor and the city council were the only people who were allowed to read the Rivali report which was written by uh, the ex-chief uh, of police of Cahos and paid for with tax dollars, kept secret from the population. And their personal opinion of that report, which was leaked to the Times Union, was based entirely off of emotional 
uh, defenses of the cop um, was the reason that they uh, said that Sergeant French not only didn't need to be disciplined, but that was able to be on, continue to be an armed thug and murderer on paid salary to police our community and potentially kill more people. These people are self-aware of what they've done. And you're going to see in the coming week, all of these people pretend that they're on the side of civil rights and transparency and accountability and that they're the good guys. And, and it's not fucking true. Yeah. And it needs to be known. It's the Democratic Party. It's the yeah. Republican Party. It's every local official. And the, all these people, I don't know what quid pro quos are going on or if it's real politique, but all of these people know what they've done. And the chickens are going to come home to roost. And I don't want to see it. You know, I'm a property owner in Troy. I want, you know, civil rest. I want civil <laughs> prosperity. But like, every action has a reaction. And when people ha have no hope of within the uh, officially allowed means um, of a future that brings justice or prosperity or um, equity or fairness or any of the good things that, you know, um, our representational republics have all, you know, wrapped themselves with. Um, if they don't see that down the line, they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, then like, what is keeping them from raising hell? And, you know, like maybe yeah. they don't have a revolutionary, like, strategy by which they're going to, you know, somehow come into possession of the means of production that their lives depend on. Um, but they know uh, how to act up and they know how to act out. And, this weekend was uh, proof to me personally um, of that and the capability of people to go from regular law-abiding citizens uh, one second to full-blown revolutionary insurrectionist actors uh, and rebels uh, five, within, you know, seconds, five minutes. Yeah. And uh, it honestly gives me life. It gives me hope because when all the official channels of, uh, you know, progress and change seem to be sequentially being closed off by a ruling class. The idea of making anything better is going to fall on people breaking the law. Okay, so you guys have been in, in these streets. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what it was like being in Albany and then David, you were in Schenectady as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's been a series of things. There's something in Albany around one on Saturday and then that went through all afternoon into the evening and then there was something in Schenectady that was also uh started at like one-ish noon um and I, I don't think that went uh too much later in the evening and now they're like as we record there might have been something there was something earlier today in Albany as well yeah I think they blocked a bit of the Henry Johnson Boulevard right yeah. up onto 77 or, or, or 90, 90 into yeah. 90 yeah yeah. So, David, what was Saturday afternoon in Albany like? Yeah, so I, I got a text, like, Friday-ish, I think, uh, asking about uh, marshalling. And, uh, and so, like, uh, I showed up a little early. Um, and for those who don't know, what is marshalling? Uh, you know, ma marshalling is just keeping people safe at, at a demonstration. You know, if, if there's people that are expecting to be arrested, then you make sure that those people are in the right place at the right time and everyone else gets away. Or if you're uh, marching without police escort which you know why would you uh, <laughs> uh um uh march with police escort i mean right you know like you uh um you're you're basically directing traffic a lot 
Um, just looking out yeah, for the just protests. basically looking out for people, and you know, and you usually have like an armband or a, a piece of duct tape, usually like on your arm, to make sure that people understand you. But um, yeah, so the uh, the the march was it was an organized thing um, that actually had some police uh, escort, and it was huge, right? It was like yeah. four thousand people. And this there. this was planned before the George Floyd uh, murder. So yeah. th- this was before any of the you know national events uh, started uh, roiling. Yeah, so um, there was a ton of people out there. It's probably the most I've ever seen. The closest might be the Women's March, maybe. Might have been about the same size. Uh, and, you know, yeah, there was a planned route. It went around Washington Park. Uh, and then when um, it, it started in Townsend Park, which is basically like a fancy median, right? And then uh, it goes all the way around Washington Park, comes back. Um, the cops were doing a, a shit job towards like the last 200 feet or so of the march. Yeah, some column. truck like almost tried to, you know, bug yeah, some people. Yeah, Joe, yeah, our friend Joe jumped, had to jump in front of a truck. I directed at least like three cars out of like, like very confused drivers, like out of uh, massive people had to direct them out. Yeah, so like they, they were half-assing it. And, uh, and then once it, everything came back to Townsend Park, you know, it made a big loop around Washington Park. Um, uh, like probably about a third, no, probably less. Uh, uh, did like some wildcat thing, or at least it seemed that way. And they all ran. Uh, we all went to uh, first it was the Capitol building, and then through Empire Plaza, and then to the uh the governor's mansion, and then finally the South Precinct, uh, all, uh of the Albany Police Department. And so, uh, you know, this is right about the time that I tuned back in. I had been uh, at the uh, protest with David and uh, Emily, uh, and we were, uh, you know, just, you know, one of probably like 5,000. No incident. Everyone was super peaceful. There was like a couple of people who were getting hot-headed, but they were like collectively de-escalated by uh, other members of the protest. Um, but then I find myself at home. Somebody hits me with a, a live stream link to WNYT, and it has... Uh, what is a developing situation at the South Precinct? Apparently, uh, protests, you know, were just there holding signs. Somebody uh, took a brick through a, uh, like, empty cop car window. Um, and that caused the police to come out in riot gear. And there was, like, a de-escalation effort. And in the de-escalation effort, uh, friends of mine uh, were on the live stream were getting just sort of, like, pushed with, like, a baton, like, in their throat and stuff. and um, I stopped watching the live stream and immediately just went uh, to, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't stand to see them <laughs> through live video feed be like hurt and just be like at home comfortable, you know, like abandoning people on the front lines. So um, I had no idea what I was going to do when I got there, but I was just like, it feels wrong to be at home. So and I mean, some of those people had probably been at the precinct for like six hours because we, when we stopped at the South precinct, only maybe half or two thirds of the group left the precinct. A lot of people stayed uh, and there was actually an argument, which I thought was really interesting. Like there's a, an argument of tactics happening, like in literally in the street, which I, I, I actually liked And Some people were very nervous about that, but I thought that was like, that's an important thing for people to have to do. Yeah. So the, w- when Chris joined up later in the night, it's p- very, very likely that a lot of people had been there for like a really long time mm. and could use backup. Um, and yeah, so when I, when I, uh, opened, uh, the car door, I was like in the parking lot that, uh, is adjacent to the precinct and, uh, I could just, 
I was hit with tear gas. There was so much tear gas just in the uh, entire environment that I immediately like started feeling it in my eyes. I'd never actually experienced tear gas. Um, and so like I was approaching what was going on, trying to get an assessment of the situation. And there was probably like 40 or 50 people, uh, protesters, and there was a developing amount of police. There was 36 at the end of the time I counted um, with the uh, full riot gear and the big shields. And they were in a shield wall, like kind of phalanx. And there were four um, officers in full gear on top of these gigantic horses, like these big white horses. They should really have uh, tiny ponies. <laughs> Cops can only mount tiny ponies. Cops should not be allowed to have animals. No, at they just all. should. They should yeah, not be allowed. It's to animal have, abuse. I mean, okay. Well, first of all, a cop shouldn't allowed to be. Let's let's amend that. <laughs> but they certainly should not be allowed to have animals. Like, especially them bringing these fucking horses into these crowds that are yeah. already so chaotic and so stressful and without protection. Like, yeah. like, if, like, no if you, like they were in gas masks. Yeah, yeah. If you kill a horse or a dog working for the police, you get charged with, like, murdering an officer. Like, they don't make a, dis- a species distinction on that. But they won't give their fellow, o- quote-unquote, officers, like, gas masks when they're using Which chemical exists. weapons. I, you yes, can see exist. them in World War One. Yeah. The really, really weird war where we still had horse cavalry and machine guns um <laughs> but in, in like aerial bombardments yeah and we make gas masks for those horses <laughs> yeah, yeah before, the dan carlin podcast yeah, that that yeah. the yeah yeah those episodes then they got that. turned into meat but before that they could breathe yeah yeah uh but yeah so the the these horses were there and it was super intimidating and they were like in this like little uh empty lot like next to the precinct like on south pearl street and there was a whole bunch of like, you know, a, a a convenient random pile of bricks was right there. Weird. Uh, uh, and it You're was welcome. And it was entirely encaged uh, in like, you know, that how in uh, uh, like chain link fence, how they have the poles that go down to like the plastic, like sand weighted um, like ballasts that have like uh, uh, it, it makes like a little flexible joint where it holds two sections of the uh, fence up like at an angle and, and then you can sort of slide it around. Uh, have you ever seen these? No. Okay. So it, so. Well, it was basically that and there was like okay. a whole bunch of these sections and all of a sudden a bunch of protesters all coordinated at once run and grab uh, like one of those joints by the two poles of the chain link section on either side and immediately pull it like a snake into a makeshift barrier right in front of where the cops are mobilizing. And uh, then people start picking up the, uh, the bricks and uh, uh, hurling in them at the cops, who at this point were shooting everybody with uh, non-lethal uh, rounds from a 40-millimeter grenade launcher, uh, as well as uh, shooting tear gas and what sounded like flashbangs. Um, the protesters responded with fireworks, which was spectacular. Um, and it just all weirdly seemed like a dream, like totally surreal, um, ethereal. The the smell and the the look of the air saturated with tear gas and like it, everything seemed in slow motion. It was very intense. And then it was like like if Kanye came out with a, like a bedroom pop album and it had a music video. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very Church of the Wild. No Church in the Wild. You know that yeah. music video. Uh, it felt very much like that, but without the Greek statues. But it had all the yeah, other elements. Yeah. It had, and no, no elephant. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I see this um, 
like one gallon pail of gasoline, like one of the, something somebody's had in a garage or whatever with a wick flaming, just tossed over the barricade that we had and hit the feet of the phalanx and where the horse was. And the horse is like rearing up, like some of the, its hair is like singed and shit. It was, oh my God. it was crazy. The whole thing went down uh, and escalated so quickly. And when the tear gas started hitting and the not unlethal rounds were being fired out of grenade launchers into the crowd, it changed the whole dynamic of everything. And a ton of people left, like, and it didn't come back. And then very quickly, lots of people just came out of their homes and like filled the street and were in open conflict with the police, like firing fireworks, like just people just came out of the woodwork like continuously and next thing you know there's an mrap rolling through the crowd like basically like swerving in like an s pattern trying to like scare and corral people sort of like a mechanical sheepdog and this is the mine resistant anti-personnel carriers like the tanks basically that modern police forces have basically just been given by the u.s military which like phase them out of whatever conflict they were. Yeah, you know. uh, DHS runs like a TJ Maxx of, <laughs> uh, of military assault gear. They're just like, oh, we bought too much, a deep discount. Ah, oh, you get an MRAP for only $49.99. So, so, yeah, now they were like, the doors were open, the, the, these guys in full kit with like what looked to be real live rifles were like in the open door, like sort of, you know, using it as a shield and just, it was totally fucking crazy. And so they, that went away for a second, but suddenly everyone was like really scared of the fact that this MRAP was there. And then all out of nowhere, in the thick of all this tear gas, a fucking tractor trailer rolls up because they didn't stop the other side of uh, South Pearl. So it just had traffic that needed to be turned around by protesters. And this 18-wheeler just rolls up, realizes it's in the middle of an uprising, and just the two drivers get out with their hands up and they're like, yo, we're out of here. And they just walked without saying anything else into the distance. And the crowd took the truck. It distributed the contents, which were milk. So suddenly I saw somebody saying there's no way that could be an accident that these guys like driving a truck full of milk just show up in the middle of a like conflict with the police where there's tear gas everywhere. I don't know. Yeah. It would be cool if they knowingly uh like oh no what did we do? Yeah. I have to go home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, because uh, it was like late in the, in the evening. I don't know, you know, if they were making a delivery or not. I don't know. Um, or it was getting late in the evening. It was probably like nine. Uh, and the the tractor trailer was set alight and used as a flaming um a street barricade to keep the advancement of the cops. So now there was like this, uh, and then the on the other side of the 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 traffic. The crowd basically took all of the trash and set up a flaming dumpster and, and barricade of, of more debris to keep the uh, phalanx from being able to effectively move forward. But that didn't stop them from just like lobbing lots and lots of projectiles over and sending more uh, people up on foot. And like um, it, we were, you know, standing uh, probably like 50 feet apart. And all of a sudden I get hit my foot with a non-lethal round from one of the grenade launchers. And I think, like, I'm really freaked out because my foot, like, got shot with, like, a, a live bullet or whatever because it just went instantly numb. But I had so much adrenaline, I basically just, like, ran from... It turned out to just have grazed me and now I have, like, a small welt or whatever. But, like, it was fucking crazy. And I did not expect Albany to rise up. I don't know. It, it, it was very moving. 
Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Schenectady was, was uh, obviously a lot less um, act, active. I don't know what, how we want to describe it. It was, uh, but uh, um, so like Sunday morning, you were back out in Albany uh, helping clean up some stuff uh, from last night, and, from the night before. And uh, I was out in Schenectady. We got a call um, uh, really recently, like, like at the very last minute, that was essentially that uh, uh, they were concerned that there might be some white supremacists like showing up to do a counter demonstration in Schenectady. We had gotten a similar rumor in Albany, actually. So like that's that's been interesting. I don't know what to make of that uh, because we I, in neither case did I actually see any um, like a uh, uh, active open white supremacist. I saw actually did, I'll, I'll take that back. I saw one guy that was like using a cane that had some uh, clear like white supremacist like tattoos, um, and he was just like standing around and he said that um his daughter had brought him there and he was supporting her it's just that is a hell of a family or a very strange cover story oh that I, sounds sweet yeah. are you sure they were white supremacist tattoos no like multiple people like everyone on the signal you know tattoos was, like, are forever yeah but hate, yeah not necessarily that's yeah true. That's maybe those are reformed right. yeah but in that case you should wear a long sleeve shirt yeah right for real these old things oh no that was another life ago brother <laughs> yeah get that shit like covered up with like a jethro tull tattoo or something i don't know but um anyway uh i don't know why i picked jethro tull uh, yeah yeah so you go you like uh, the flute yeah <laughs> so the schenectady rally was um very peaceful. Uh, I was. I did basically the same thing that I did in um, Albany, except it was. It had zero police presence whatsoever, uh, formally. And um, uh, but you know, but I did end up directing a lot of traffic. And but then you got some help, right? From some. Yeah. Then we, we did get some help. Yeah, we got um, uh, cars like friendly cars show up, and some like uh, fucking uh, motorcycles and. Uh, tons of people just like start showing bikers up. for police accountability. Yeah. Well, he's like, I've been listening to the police scanner the whole day in both. It's a really, it's a really cool setup. You know, you get the app for your phone and then like you put on like a one earbud so you can listen. Yeah. You're you like just, the reverse secret service. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like really helpful because like, I obviously the police have like, um, dedicated encrypted channels and they, you know, they also have like, uh, text, they text and, and, and use their phone so you, you don't you obviously don't hear everything that they're saying but you do get like a couple of things that they're that they're looking out for and it was it was like almost cinematic like you were saying chris where like in the moment where like i'm hearing over the radio that there's like 200 uh motorcyclists coming in our direction and they don't know anything else about them it, it's just like a shit ton of motorcycles and we're thinking like well you know like you know there's a lot, a lot of white supremacist biker gangs so like we're i'm i'm understandably concerned about that uh, and they, they and they keep getting calls that they're closer and closer and closer, and then like two hundred definitely don't show up, but there's a couple dozen, and they were very much on our side and very enthusiastic, and they're like popping wheelies and stuff. Um, but we eventually, uh, you know, the march ends up back at the precinct. I don't know if Schenectady has like multiple precincts, but they you know, just like the one police station, and uh, and we march around the back where there are a bunch of uh, Schenectady cops in riot gear like red like ready for something and you and you can hear dogs in the parking lot um they have a, have a tall fence so you can't really see in it but you can definitely hear lots of dogs barking and um essentially what happens i don't want to second guess like these really amazing righteous young kids that were like running uh, maybe kids is a little condescending like they're like 
older teenagers, you know, 20 something people that are, that were leading this thing, you know, very impressive. It was cool to hear these like young people use a mic check into a crowd like that that, that sent me yeah, back yeah it's really cool to have yeah that sent me back a little bit they weren't technically it. using the people's mic they were just <laughs> saying mic check to get everyone's attention but you know it worked but the people do like <laughs> say mic check back and then they just talk they don't like say it in phrases and then yeah. back and forth oh okay yeah but um anyway it ended with uh, the Schenectady cops taking a knee um at the request of the of, of I think some of the organizers and but then again, there was like another like serious conversation among lots of people in the in the crowd that was like, why the who cares if they take a knee? Yeah. Or like, you know, yeah, you take off your your riot gear, but also like fucking take off your badge, like take off your gun. If you're gonna like walk with us, like you don't need to be armed. Yeah. Like, like if you really like are, trust us or whatever. Um, give me your gun yeah right yeah <laughs> give me your gun and like so yeah. besides them laying over their their firearms to the crowd uh you know like uh it, it, i i see anything short of causing a riot uh as like an improvement <laughs> which is to say like you know it it uh is something that you know is is more ideal than the, uh, the just gassing and shooting everybody right yeah 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 i mean like i i should say right here like Personally, even when we're like not in like these singular moments where you know like years happen in weeks or whatever, like I'm, I hate marching. I like <laughs> I marshal mostly because like I want this shit to be done and like I want it to be as like you know s- seamless as possible and get the right effect. And I want it to be effective. Yeah. I, I I hate marching. I hate carrying signs and and chanting. I, I find it all obnoxious and boring, and I I really don't like it. Um. But, like, I, I I think all of us really would rather, I, I think, like, not be having to do this all the time and, like, instead get to the business of creating this new world. So, I, I um, but, like, a lot of people are going to get a lot of lessons, I think, on, like, how to, how to do this shit right and what um, constitutes, like, winning these sorts of affective moments, right? Because, like, I, like, I can really understand, like, being a young, uh, organizer and see like the the cops do something that you ask them to do like right there even if it's symbolic like take a knee and the, here we're not just talking about albany and schenectady we're you know like this is happening all over the country like this is like a a photo op that cops um have invented for themselves i think um i think it's a fucking we, psyop we yeah, will yeah. become the one thing we hate colin kaepernick <laughs> yeah, right. yeah like every cop is getting a nike deal now no but like it's a uh, yeah, it seems like one precinct was just like, what if we took a fucking knee like Colin Kaepernick and like, I bet they would be fine with it. Or you'd at least like cleave off a decent number of people. And then like you would own, you would be able to isolate like the last few people that actually have like, you know, like know what the hell is going on. And and then be and then, and now you've essentially de- essentially diffused a large amount of of the protesters well, if you give them de- a symbolic thing. It's to, literally de-escalation, and yeah. we bitch about cops not doing de-escalation. Yeah, and right. so like in that sense, I understand it. I I just don't. It you has don't to under- be followed by substantive change. Right. Like, yeah, you don't understand the acceptance of it as like a serious win. Well, and when I want cops to de-escalate, I want them to de-escalate in one-on-one interactions with civilians. Mm -hmm. I want them to de-escalate when, you know, protesters aren't, like, 
just asking them to do something, but are maybe even like meeting the cops with force. Like those are the times when de-escalation is actually meaningful and valuable. Um, but of cops can't, in the face of aggression, that's when you need to de-escalate is when it is in the face of aggression, yeah. when things are about to, to, to get extremely heated. Um, and they do the opposite. Yeah. And- which isn't even advocating for like just straight up, like uh, letting down any guard and being like accepting the, like death. Like if like somebody is coming at a cop, we're not saying like the cop doesn't have the right to like not die necessarily, <laughs> you know, but the idea of just like not making it have to be a mortal combat situation, you know, like by escalating something, as you were saying, you know, being uh, aggressive, like that makes a really, really, really tense situation erupt. Yeah. yeah. Make it more of like a street fighter situation. So speaking, mortal of, combat. <laughs> speaking of escalation, we're currently seeing cops kind of pre-escalate things with this rumor mongering. Yeah. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on in Troy and particularly downtown Troy. And I, I can only imagine this happening in lots of other places. But um, small, small business owners have been told by inside sources that um, there's going to be this massive Antifa riot in downtown troy and that business owners should board up their windows which many business owners have done um some of them even going so far as to spray paint black lives matter on the outside which is kind of like i know a lot for i and i like because we know some of these business owners it's like it's entirely performative yeah yeah yeah. it's like they might as well well just written please spare me on yeah, there, you know? which on the other hand is kind of cool. I like, think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, 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 yeah, run, run, yeah. Be scared, motherfucker. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> rules. Self deploying banner drop. Yeah, it's like yeah. let me just get ahead of this. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily love to see it. It's bizarre. It's part of the whole like weird trance like situation that this is all happening. You know, like somebody. Uh, I was listening to the Trillbillies. And uh, Terrence was talking about how um, he thinks that there's a uh, a feeling of historical importance that effectively feels just like you're in a dream. Yeah, that, like you know, you know, you're being you're making history in the moment, kind of thing. Or you're, yeah, yeah you, you, that you're like bearing witness to like a right. changing of people's perceptions and people's like attitudes. It does. Well, I thought that surreality, surrealness. Uh, the first time I went into a grocery store after like COVID had really like kicked in and people were taking it fucking seriously. Yeah. Like the first time that I went in where they had like one way aisles and like taped out places to where. You, it's appropriate to stand and everybody wearing a mask. Like it was a very, I felt like it was in a movie. Um, and I say that just to basically make, drive the point home that like, these are incredibly historic times on so many different, in so many different facets. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was just, what was incredible is that like, you know, having gone to, you know, too, too many marches, uh, like again, don't like to go to, these were the first ones where you see like, a lot of very young, like, black kids out there, like, enjoying it. And, like, and it really does seem almost almost joyful in, like, the sort of, like, it, it flits between anger and joy in that, like, you are angry that the, of the reasons that you're out, but now that you're out, you're almost, like, joyful in the sense of power that everyone is feeling together. 
But it's not just like a bunch of white college kids. Like it really does feel like everyone. And there are these like genuine moments of like thanking each other for things that the other is doing. And it, it, it does it does feel different. It is not like one of these like really performative like an earth day march or yeah, earth day, like yeah. The fucking, yeah the fucking science or i march hate to say whatever, it like, like the women's march yeah I mean. yeah no these are these are clearly clearly different because there's also like you know like people like leaning out of their sunroofs like laying on their horn playing nwa like down the road for always like that's not like liberal bullshit you know like that there's yeah. something else going on there that i i is and, is remarkable and imagine seeing that and seeing the extreme like you know like obvious nature of what is going on and being like you know what this is this is some white outside agitating fucking <laughs> anarchist antifa fucking like deception yeah you know that somehow white people are behind this momentous uh you know occasion and that like you know it's really uh, a bunch of like people who read too much marx post grad school that are really behind all right. of this it's like my god the level of like white supremacist erasure of this incredibly like powerful movement of people who are just showing that they have hope in their future by way of not just bowing down and like accepting this yeah like, and you and you just like turn it into like yeah uh, white anarchists showing up to like yeah throw a brick through a starbucks window is like is is really uh um condescending to everyone involved yeah yeah and and um and and this like does like have this kind of like the ouroboros effect where like it, it comes back on itself where you then have uh the troy police department saying shit like we're gonna lock down the troy Manans bridge so that all these outside outside agitators don't come in I like Wednesday and Sunday. Gonna, like I, I've seen that. Yeah, they're going to run yeah. an experiment and find out. <laughs> yeah, like how many uh, like, oh, terrorists I, are homegrown. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. But it's like but so. If I can go back to yeah. the point I was making yeah, yeah, earlier, please, which is that like so, it seems to be that via Facebook, um, a lot of these rumors about these violent riots that are going to happen are coming from uh, specifically a cop's wife. Um, so. Like, you kind of have to, I, I am stuck wondering, this again, like, goes back to the original video of George Floyd being murdered, um, and the way the cop looks at the camera as if to communicate that he knows exactly what he's doing. Now you have these, like, fucking co- a cop's wife spreading rumors around Troy that there's going to be, that they were saying that people are going to put bleach in super soakers. <laughs> yep. um, this is, like, the fourth time they've done this in the yeah. last couple of years. I saw yeah, they some keep other, coming back to this one. I yeah. saw some other rumor with regards to other protests that people were putting bleach in leaf blowers. Which I don't even ble- understand how that works. Bleach is apparently really scary. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Uh, it's like the scariest thing that like suburban people can imagine is like in their house is bleach. Or like, like putting concrete in milkshakes. Their favorite, yeah, because they... they it like ruined their favorite polo shirt and they're like oh no bleach <laughs> yeah but so like what is like to to what extent is this organized like to what extent is this the police very deliberately and i'm talking about on a national level yeah. i'm talking about yeah. like nationwide levels of organization we already know we've had how much more evidence do we need that white supremacist organizations have i don't even want to say infiltrated the police compose a great deal of local municipal and county level police department yeah so it seems entirely reasonable to me to suspect that you know, as with the kneeling which does seem to be something that cops nationwide are picking up and adopting mm-hmm. 
and with this rumor mongering that we're seeing all across the country, like this feels very deliberate. It feels very um, uh, like well planned. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that sounds like white nationalist to me. I don't know. Yeah. They, they go around like like there, there are very clear firsthand reports that I've heard of Troy PD going downtown business to business and say like there is going to be a riot like like border up your businesses and stuff and they're if the cops say there's going to be a riot there's going to be a riot yeah they're, they're because not, they plan to start one right yeah, yeah they yeah, know they can yeah. start a riot at any moment yeah they, they're not interested in de- they're basically saying like we're not going to try to de-escalate anything uh, and we would like you to prepare the battle space for us because like well, we but w- what they're what they're what they're trying to say is these dangerous Antifa are going to start a riot in our city and we want you to be prepared. Mm-hmm. But, and they're, they're saying that they're basing that off of credible and credible information that they're getting from like insiders from yeah. the George Soros funded yeah. protesters, um, w- which is obviously impossible. And I think if there was going to be a riot, we'd probably know about it. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I am a card carrying member of Antifa, right? Yes. which is definitely an organization and not, you know, an attitude, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I'm on the Antifa de- dental plan, which, you know, it covers a lot of like, you know, uh, replacements of teeth from all the all the bare knuckle fist fights you get it into punk shows. You know, it's it's great. It's great. It's great. health. It's, it's great. Dental insurance supplements, uh, you know, my my union covered health insurance very well. Yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I, I, I think we opened up the episode with this. Like, you are now either a terrorist or a fascist. Like you can't uh, and you can't like choose between the two. Uh, or like, uh, or anything other than those two. Which side are you, you on? Which side are you on? Yeah, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think it is. It's really clear that if something hasn't already happened in your city, the cops are determined to at least like prepare the battle space, and then also tell everyone that is willing to listen that like this is going to happen. And like because I warned you, clearly I'm not going to be the one that did it. Right. Because why would I tell you about something bad that I'm about to do? Well, you plant the seed. You plant the seed that this was planned. This was a pre-planned riot by by or by organized agitators. Yeah. Yeah. When you plant that seed, then anything else that happens. Right. Is it. Well, of course, like it it reaffirms the original. So that's, I think, what makes it so insidious is it's literally like social engineering. I mean, it is like very deliberate, uh, like propagandizing. And at the same time, you know, it's like, <laughs> w- there's nothing else we could have expected <laughs> them right, to yeah, do, it's you totally know, predictable. Like, yeah. you know, and it's just like, fuck. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy situation, you know? And like, just as the, what happened when the police started firing on the crowd and how it grew, how it immediately dispersed from everybody who was like, fuck that, I'm out of here. And it became small. It then grew so fast because so many people, normal, regular people, are like in a condition at this moment in this country where they feel they have very little to lose and they would love to be involved in a like physical display of their contempt and their fury and their outrage at like the conditions that they find themselves in the, the conditions we all collectively find ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a collective power. And uh, like, do you want to like sit at home being unemployed or do you want to be part of history? Yeah. When you the know? cops like, roll around and are like, Hey, this weekend, 
it's going down guy <laughs> you know <laughs> so speaking of it going down guy um sunday june 7th 2 p.m starting at troy riverfront park uh there will be a vigil march uh connecting um ahmaud aubrey uh brianna taylor tony mcdade and george floyd to the racial injustice and tragedy here in the capital district edson thevenin damik mcdonald thaddeus Faison, and others so this is organized by the justice for damik um group and, and uh and many others and uh yeah so, you know uh come out sunday 2 p.m at Troy Riverfront Park. That'll be this, you know, like when this episode comes out, it'll be the, the Sunday following, so uh, June 7th. We'll have to figure out when we're going to record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're flexible these days. Yeah. yeah. COVID's yeah. made us all flexible. You know, and I think that's so, I, I like, I you know what you mean there, uh, to take your joke literally. Um, I think that's a huge part of why these are so both so like full of rage and so successful is because everything else is in utter chaos. Mm -hmm. If there is a feeling of the world on fire more so than I think any of us have felt in a long time before. And like you were saying, Chris, you have people with very little to lose people who can't pay their rent. People who like have been dealing having to deal with their shitty fucking health care for years upon years. Um, Or their shitty landlord. That's like reminding them constantly that, you know, like come, august when the eviction moratorium is lifted like i'm gonna you're the fuck out of here you're the fuck out yeah. of here yeah and we all have socially adopted masks which changes so <laughs> yeah, much it really yeah, does yeah, yeah. yeah. i know it's super useful i hope the mask thing continues to be a thing for ever until yeah. until the fall of capital yeah i um, feel like it's gonna be silly to show up to any protest for any reason at all in the future not wearing a mask yeah, but but also for health reasons. Like, and yeah, also for health reasons. yeah. There's yeah. A, there is a reason why, like, you know, Asian countries, like, it's socially acceptable to constantly wear to wear a mask if you ever feel sick, because there is like a sense of like social responsibility. Yeah, it's yeah. a polite thing. Yeah, you know, and masks are cool. Yeah, I yeah. made a mask uh, last week that has flowers on it. It's very yeah. cool. You can do it. Go on the CDC website; they tell you how to make one. And but, you can also take any T-shirt and turn it into a balaclava just by tying it in a fancy way we'll, we'll drop a link of that in the show notes too that's true though they are less effective the most effective mask is a sewn two to three layer cotton 100 percent cotton mask oh facts at least according to the cdc which also wants you to get vaccines yeah but uh, oh keep an eye out for our wildflower this episode <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about the fact that trump is probably actively hiding in a bunker right now yeah um, so I've seen all these people on Twitter making jokes about how they turned off the lights because as if that's like, as if we're all like Halloween trick-or-treaters and we'll go <laughs> I just want to make it clear that that is not why they are turning off the lights on the White House. They it's are turning off the energy. lights on the... <laughs> it's, it's because they have snipers along the roof and if protesters break through the line and onto the White House, pro- onto the White House green, they're going to mow you down. So it was kind of like disturbing to me last night to be, you know, looking at Twitter at one thirty in the morning like I do and seeing people thinking that it's funny when it's like very ominous, a very ominous sign of what the state is prepared to do if, you know, if civilians get too out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as the uh, the single private operator of the largest nuclear uh, arsenal in the world. I can imagine that they wouldn't want uh, to, 
be able to like be seized in the football. <laughs> yeah, <everything. laughs> yeah. But the uh, yeah, no, the the open threatening of mortal death at, from a president is such a weak man move. Yeah, like this call with the governors and the mayors, he sounds like a, like if you read, I, you He's know, a Karen. He sounds like a he Karen. He does. He sounds like he's calling the manager and yeah. saying, you need to get these employees, I mean, citizens, these people in your state under control. It really does sound like a screeching baby who's just, you know, um, and it's incredible that he hasn't, like, this is kind of a lib talking point, so, uh, you know, just Excuse. smack me in the face yeah. if I'm dumb, but- like people saying, can you imagine another president not have not even trying to use some kind of rhetorical? Obama's device? doing it. He's Obama's, not even president well, of anymore. Of course, Obama's doing it. I mean, <laughs> that's I imagine that's how he like deals with his daughters fighting as he fucking releases a memo and you he know, has a beer summit with them. Yeah, um, we're gonna need a bigger beer summit. <laughs> it's just absolutely wild that Trump is not putting any effort toward even pretending to say anything unifying. No, he does the opposite, right? He rallies yeah, his he, base, yeah, which is absolutely. what how he win he won the last time and like that's that is the way he wins. Yep. Yeah, and this is a lot of red meat for them. You know, oh, just, oh, just God, yeah. yeah. Which is not to say like you shouldn't do things that are red meat for them because like they find ways of like saying that they're under attack. No, that's so. a dem tactic. Yeah, you yeah. can't just try to avoid upsetting them. Right. That's yeah. not because that doesn't like, win. like they they win, they exist because they love being upset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at the moment in Minneapolis when they seized on the precinct and they like went in and took all of the weapons and ammo, guns. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the body armor and the riot gear. Harper's Ferry. The, the outfits yeah. and everything. And they raided that precinct and then burned it to the ground. That was such a turning point. Yeah. Like. Because it doesn't feel like that's possible anymore. Like, we have, like, our own sort of, like, Fukuyama, like, our own little Fukuyamas in our brain. Yeah, yeah. They're, like, it, no, it, it actually is the end of history. Like, you don't raid things and take the weapons anymore. So, like, Fukuyama is a yeah. the social theorist who wrote, uh, who notoriously wrote a book called The End of History that everyone has mocked mercilessly yeah. since then because yeah. so much history continues to happen all the time. Right, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to... Yeah, as no, it no, will, as, as, as it will. will. <laughs> Never get so cocky as to think right. that you've outlived history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like, no, we, we can actually, like, still have a John Brown. You know, like, you can still Proving raid... to people that you can burn down, take and burn down a precinct yeah. is really a big deal quite possibly the most valuable thing to come out of these so far yeah. um is to like just demonstrate that talk about propaganda uh, by the deed yeah yeah definitely. yeah and in this case nobody got killed or assassinated a, a, a pillar i mean george floyd got killed like lots and lots of innocent people were killed but i mean in the sense of um you know there wasn't it was an attentat that wasn't a literal assassination of a human being in fact only property was destroyed yeah yeah I yeah, I've often thought that like a really serious social ill of our age is like these kind of stale political imaginaries where even like our sci-fi has gotten kind of shitty or it's all dystopian like no, you know, the, there's very little like good utopian sci-fi. It's just like hard to imagine things being able to change in any significant way. So, yeah, the burning precinct is a great and I don't know if you guys have seen the images of all the fires around the White House in DC. Yeah. Um just like fucking Flaming buildings encroaching upon the White House. It's remarkable to see things that, you know, I wouldn't have thought even a week ago were likely to happen anytime soon. But, you know, everybody's really focused on these protests. I just want to talk about how 
Trump wants to censor Twitter, guys. <laughs> you know, like that is truly, I think, the the more pressing element of these trying times. Yeah, is... you know, like when you burn down Target, where's your Agora except online? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the only yeah. two places I have uh, deep political conversations. I don't know why, but people talking about Target has made me... Want to go to Target? ...incredibly <laughs> hungry for like the Pizza Hut pizza that there is in oh, Target. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have been wanting a fucking personal pan pizza... Yeah. Ever since they set that target, ever since they started looting that fucking target. So I used to work at Target and I actually cooked those uh, personal pan pizzas uh, for a section of my work. Most of it was just the main line cashiering. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, pretty painfully ironic that they named their business Target. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. But so let's, let's start taking down those targets. It's like, it's like the first question everybody has when they're like being dispersed by the police yeah. and that they're in like full riot mode and it is like, all right, what's our, the next target? And they're like, hmm, that makes me think of a certain place that's right down the road and it's full of stuff that we could use to fulfill our life needs. Uh. So the Trump, so with the Trump Twitter thing, so Twitter basically does the absolute bare minimum it can possibly do, which is it slaps a little label on Trump's um, incredibly uh, wrong, in, 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 inaccurate, inaccurate tweets about voting by mail and mail and voter fraud. Um, and like everybody just shits their collective pants. Liberals are loving it. They think that this is like the pinnacle of responsible corporatism that Twitter's willing to do this. Uh, chuds are just fucking crying (laughs) into their confederate flags about the death of free speech in america um and trump little little piss baby that he is is now um threatening to punish social media platforms for uh, silencing him yeah by putting a tiny label on the tweet that they allowed (laughs) to continue to exist well you know twitter essentially just started doing to basically only donald trump's account what they what facebook has been doing to a lot of accounts pretty much ever since 2016 and uh, you know i guess like the one um note that i'll put in front of this is that i have taken paychecks by third parties in order to work on some of facebook's like disinformation stuff but um uh i i that doesn't really impact the only way how could you yeah i mean but the only way that that impacts my opinion of Facebook and the way they handle dis, uh, disinformation or really all any social media company is that they, they don't fucking care. Like they, they just don't care about how any of that, um, uh, gets done because what they really care about, right. Is eyeballs, right. Attention to things. And what gets a lot of attention is a bunch of like whack. Whack. Um, a b- <laughs> uh, that's whack. Yo, <laughs> that's whack. That's whack. Jack. Uh, no, uh, um, what gets a lot of attention is Infowars, you know, like, like Infowars gets, yeah. And not to mention the fact that they literally get money off of people promoting Facebook posts that are, that all very often have disinformation in them, including where their bread is buttered. Yeah. Including the Donald Trump campaign. Like, yeah, I I get like, I, I bet I could be like, I'm one of the, like the most diametrically opposed, like people to like wanting to vote for Donald Trump and I still get ads. For Donald Trump. So you can imagine. Well, I heard that the far left is basically on the verge of voting for Donald <laughs> Trump. That is good. That is yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's the Antifa to FA uh, pipeline. Yeah. It's the internet. The internet just makes us go in this perpetual flip flopping. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like the, the, 
at the end of the day, these platforms, they don't have either the mission statement or like the kind of moral code or the technological affordance to be curated editorial because like that's what this is right it is editorial work and that's that's trump's legal justification for going after them is that um you know the numbers i don't know it's 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 section 230 of of some state uh, some some statute where in section 230 it says that these companies are um man essentially managers are through ways of information they are not editorial organizations like a newspaper so they can't be held liable for lies for what or, their users say. Yeah, what their users say because they are not publishers or have some sort of editorial intent, which has been like the line that social media companies have used for a very long time, especially when activists say, Hey, do you want to get rid of all these Nazis that use your platform? They're like, We don't we don't we're not editors, we're not an you know, because section two thirty and for a very long time activists and researchers have said stuff like, Well, if you don't deal with actually deal with this and you know like stop lying to yourselves and each other about what this really is then like someone's gonna do it for you and it's not gonna be great and now it's happened it was like this was one of the more predictable things if it wasn't trump it would be someone else you know right and you do get liberals that say stuff like we wanted legislation but not like this yes yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so, so what does this legislation really end up being do you think do you think it's like uh they're gonna have to hire a million people to have the soul-sucking job of just like making sure that whatever you know basically doing the um what was that website for hillary clinton facts oh Oh, verit Verit. Verit. yeah basically doing a verit for every single site and like having an authentication code from like various blue checks maybe that should just be the the price i I hope they do check to have all your shit looked over before it actually gets published i hope they do that and i hope they pick up peter dow again Right, we got the Peter Dow, and we need Peter Dow now more than ever. Yeah, yeah. I want him to verify every piece of information <laughs> on every social media site. Now. No, he, he, he's like currently running around stashing like little um, uh, piles of bricks and like pre-made Molotovs at every like corner with like a federal building right next to it. Yeah, thank you. But it does parody satire. Us- <laughs> Peter Dow is not doing that. I'm sure. It puts us between this rock and hard place on this question of like either social media companies do nothing and they do not control the content on them at all. They do something and control that content themselves, in which case Twitter has free reign to censor anybody they want, which they're already doing. I mean, plenty of accounts have already been banned and shut down for expressing far left views um, and some, I'm sure, far right views as well. Or just being rude. And also like Alex Jones and stuff, you know. Yeah, or just being rude. Or it becomes, or we nationalize it, we, turn, we treat it like the utility that ultimately it is, and we decide we're going to have public ownership of it, in which case the state gets to decide who gets centered, censored and who doesn't. Yeah, the states, because it's this giant global village that I'm the idiot of. <laughs> <laughs> and we have this situation where... Yeah, because uh, they're international platforms. You're yeah, right. yeah. yeah, and so you have all these conflicting cultures, and you have these conflicting ideas of what the state's authority is, and you know, what the culture and community want. So, yeah, good luck with that. I think it's part of, you know, the, the it's, it's emblematic of actually the condition that we have in a global human civilization. You know, like we all have a very shared fate in our economy, our um, our uh, uh, epidemiology, as we've recently found out, um, our, you know, uh, atmosphere, like, and that our internet. 
And that like any real type of uh, systematic approach is going to have to happen on some type of global level. Yeah, I mean, I th- personally think it's preferable to not have these platforms in charge of deciding what is true and what is not, rather than cede that power to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize that the 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 result of that is you have you know Donald Trump lying on Twitter, and that's that's awful. I hate that. But I think I said this when we this is all dead tape now because we talked about it yesterday. But yeah. um, <laughs> my my point being that like this is a social ill. Like this is not Twitter didn't cause this. Twitter cannot fix it. Um, it is a it is a social problem that can only be countered through educational campaigns, um, learn like building a more equitable and just society where people actually have compassion for each other, where they're not whipped up all the time in these angry racist frenzies, because that is what ultimately feeds the Donald Trump fake news, you know, shit posting phenomenon is and like meme magic and stuff is not. It's not that there is the internet. It's that because these things would happen with or without the internet. Yeah. It might be a little bit harder. They might be a little more decentralized. Um, and you can't count on a, you know, fucking corporate internet entity to fix a problem that is just like a deep social rot yeah. in our psyche. Yeah. It's like how it's not the guns, it's the homicidal culture that we live in. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, I mean, you really do like, it's, it's hard to really imagine this but like facebook is like a medium-sized company really you know like i mean like they're valued of course like really really high like they're you mean in terms they're, like numbers of employees yeah, yeah but yeah. in terms of number of employees it's like a cup like i think it's like 50 60 000. i don't know don't quote me on that but it's like less... i have more people than that who do my garden so yeah. that's <laughs> you, know, you know it's like it's like less than two it's definitely less than two hundred thousand that control all of the like conversations of billions of people, right? Because it's not only Facebook, right? It's WhatsApp, it's Instagram, uh, you know, it's, they have multiple platforms and all of those, um, uh, those few groups of people, like that couple hundred thousand or tens of thousands of people, like, um, are, uh, are not all like political philosophers or like deep th- or even deep thinkers, you know, like, this is a website designed to like rate, like harvard girls you know like it's not you're like that's where facebook started college hot or not yeah yeah so you like you can't and and of course high school level courses on philosophy and ethics would do more long term to solve this problem than twitter like deleting donald trump's right yeah (laughs) yeah just just because like yeah jack dorsey microdoses uh psilocybin for a month doesn't make him like able to decide how to control like global discourse but, you know, like, I mean, like, I, when I was, when, in 2016, I was teaching a course on di- called Digital Design and History, where, like, I asked my students, like, like, how would you change Facebook to deal with problems of misinformation? And they basically came up with what Facebook did, right? So, on the one hand, you could, which you can interpret two ways, and I think actually both are correct at the same time. Right. Which is one is like Facebook didn't try very hard because they, they put about as much in, effort into it as like a, a, a hungover college student. <laughs> right. Uh, um, uh, but uh, but also it's not like Brittany was saying, it's not this isn't a design problem. Right. This isn't a problem and amenable to like the bounds of a for profit company. This is a societal problem. Right. So like you yeah, can't... there's no widget you can code that yeah. will fix this problem. And, and right. ultimately, Twitter's trying to be both the environment and the neutral arbiter. And they're coming upon the 
problem that we're actually having in a lot of aspects of our society, which is that we don't have a universally agreed and respected neutral arbiter. Or reality. Or reality, or for anything. And so, like, you've got people who are like, oh, the COVID's just a Chinese hoax and masks are a liberal plot to restrict your brain oxygen so you can't, you know... tap into the real like so your prasatam doesn't work yes your prasatam doesn't work (laughs) and you don't you can't quite understand what's going on and you know bleach drinking is like he didn't mean like a lot he meant like a little bit like you know you're just like and also it was sarcastic (laughs) no no i mean you know you're just a little bit of bleach like we put bleach in our water you know but he's just saying like a little more more Uh, yeah yeah to get an extra like espresso shot in your coffee so there's no way for you you know in the ether to communicate on any shared semblance of symbols, which really language gets at the root of is just a symbolic thing. Thought itself is all about symbols. And when people don't even share the same symbols and they don't share the same sense of a existent neutral arbiter, then like, how can you ever universally like fact check anybody? Like when we are in a way living in a post-truth reality and ever increasingly so with the AI tools of deep fakes and otherwise, like we're going to get to the point where we don't know how to trust ourselves. We're going to get weird shit. It's like we click on our computer. There's a video of us and it's looking at the camera and it's saying, listen, you're not going to remember making this, but like you made this, somebody's drugging you and you're forgetting and just like be able to completely convince you. And it's you. You know, like all, it'd be easy all, all for the purpose of buying Yeezys. Yeah, right? it's, gonna be, it's gonna be like a, a time traveling you. There's like you look, you don't just just take out this loan to buy three thousand dollars sneakers. You'll thank me later. Yeah, yeah. It just turns out that was an ad. That was a yeah. pre roll ad. You should buy YouTube Plus or Premium or whatever. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's we're getting to the point of technology being able to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, and like you know, uh, we're gonna have an epistemological crisis or a crisis of like not having a shared reality and we're sort of having that now on like a culture and you know like perception basis like we have very deeply divided country on like what the basic reality is going on vis-a-vis these this rebellion or like anything i i I think it's it was actually a uh aberration that we had so many people shared a reality for so long Mm. You know, like, I don't even think that that was necessarily a real thing that ever existed. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. Yeah. I think this is like we, the something we projected. We were talking with Mike Pearl about the baseline shift um, yeah, right. the, last week, but but I I think that like it's a it's a it's a the nature of using symbolic language as a species. We, there's always been none of us have ever shared a reality. I think it's just gotten worse. Yeah, I guess, um, I guess what I'm thinking is like you know. Like, the the middle to end end of the 20th century you had this really perfect alignment of like three news agencies and a very restricted voting populace and massive right? trust in authorities yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. like those three things uh happen to converge and those color the baseline as you it's were talking orange about. it's actually yeah. cheeto colored um <laughs> and you know like donald trump really embodies all of that and he's recognized that in this moment if he can be charismatic and winking and trusted by a big enough chunk of the american population which he is he can literally bend reality to his whim by simply asserting that you can't trust anybody but him and that like everybody's lying to you. Yeah, because you yeah. don't. He doesn't even have to have the answers. He doesn't yeah. have to have like a good way forward. Yeah, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't even. Have, you don't even have to agree with him yeah. 
Except for the fact that he seems to share your same reality. So he, he, he's the only one that seems coherent. And they're being lied to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a problem. (laughs) You know, that uh, is still a problem. But anyway, um, I'm ready. I'm ready for a non problem. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about something nice. So on the brighter side of life, uh, this comes from Taiwan News. We'll post a link to this in the show notes. But Taiwan scientists find antibody that fights coronavirus. Uh, Taiwanese researchers have discovered an antibody that inhibits coronavirus by up to 98%. That's a, that's a high amount. It's a high amount, yeah. yeah. Um, so this came out on the 28th, but basically this team of scientists at a university in Taiwan has found an antibody that um, is effective against all four strains of COVID-19, so the American, European, Chinese, and uh, Egyptian strains. And they're hoping to, by the end of this year, be able to conduct enough testing and mass production that we'll have a workable vaccine that can be distributed. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's like way faster than people expected. Much faster than people expected. And I mean, who knows? Like, there's still a ton up in the air about yeah. it. They, they, as they do further testing, they, might, they may find it to be less effective than they think. But um, it's a very, very promising step forward in terms of, you know, I really do think that until we get a vaccine, any kind of return to normalcy is a pipe dream, Um, unless you just want like hundreds of thousands, you know, potentially millions of people to die. But um, and maybe you do. Maybe that's your jam. But I do think that until we get a vaccine, like concerts and, you know, festivals and... Like, we're about to miss River Street Fest in Troy, which really sucks because River Street Fest is a lot of fun and it's good for a lot of businesses around here. All of that shit just can't come back until we have a vaccine. Yeah, it seems that way. You know, they, they, there's this idea of herd immunity, but I have no idea how you test when you've, you're at that point. We also don't even know if you can be immune to like we don't we don't know yet if getting it, getting it. makes it yeah. so that you don't get it again. Yeah, Because cool. like with the flu, you can get the flu as many times as... So it's, it's, it's hard to say yeah. even if herd, herd immunity will be a thing with coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it seems like a tall order for a vaccine, honestly. I hope they, uh, they just, you know, are getting really good at it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it will become whatever vaccine we end up developing for coronavirus will become the new flu. Like, you'll just have to get it every year and, you know. And they're going to implant the microchips that control your brain. Right inside there. You know. Yeah, this, this is, is all just a, a firmware upgrade from yeah. the original. Uh, microchips <laughs> yeah that's why they start coronavirus and that's why bill Push gates update. yeah is is pushing all of this it's yeah. all ultimately to get windows in your brain <laughs> i welcome it if i have to think less that sounds great i'm down all right i think that'll do it for us this week right yeah. right guys yeah stay um, safe yeah stay safe everybody uh no kropakin this week i don't have time sorry you get it next week um and in the meantime you can find us on twitter uh no um uh ironweeds pod <laughs> you can find us on instagram ironweeds pod shoot us an email at ironweeds pod at, at gmail.com we don't have any excuse this week because we're all in the <laughs> same room so it has to be um thank you for uh supporting us on patreon and consider supporting us if you don't already at patreon.com slash ironweeds rate and review the show helps people find us uh yeah i think that's it yeah yeah <laughs> hit us up with any info that you got that might be interesting you know if just like tell us what's happening wherever you are uh 
let us share some personal stories about what's going on in your hood. Absolutely. Troy people, yeah. uh, let us know if there's anything you want us to promote that's happening in this area. And and if you are already a Patreon uh, supporter and we gave you five stickers, consider bringing some of those stickers when you're out on the streets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> put yeah. some stickers in places. Yeah. Put, out, put them on your shields. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, just, you know, stay safe, stay sane, you know, take care of one another. Shit is getting real out here. And, um, I just wanted to, to, to say like, I've got hope in the people. I really do believe that we as a species can and will, um, come together with some like, and build a better world. I think that this system is like obviously going through some convulsions and maybe it's even death throes hard to tell you know this early but i believe people can and will um turn this tragedy into you know some positive change yeah yeah we're gonna play you out to a song from chris's band zombie giuliani yeah killer cops killer cops for no particular reason just we've, we've chosen that track yeah yeah so enjoy all right okay thank you bye 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 bye